0: want to say welcome to you, whether you're West, East, online, podcast, however you're worshiping with us. We're delighted to have you with us. Can we thank our band one more time and Jordan and his leadership and man, praise God, great worship. And can we thank Lorelei for what she did for us? Come on, man, that was so moving. I love it when we just see these younger generations, right, making commitments to Christ and growing and just is such a great symbol right now in all these weird times that God is with us and his church is growing and all things are good. And I just wanna say if it's not weird enough, if it's not awkward enough and challenging enough with all the COVID stuff, now we have the hurricane season. Amen. And if there's still anybody out here that has not yet repented, this is your moment. This is your moment. My goodness. I called my good friend this week, uh, Pastor George. How many of you all know Pastor George? He's preached for me over here. Sort of a good preacher. I don't know. He's <laughs> probably streaming right now. But he, uh, I called him and I said, gosh, this storm is coming over to you. I said, you know, do you think you'll be able to hold services? And it was so funny what he said. I, he said, yeah, well, hold services. What are you going to do? He said, I'm going to ask the six people in attendance to come to the front row. Come on, let me do it again. I'm going to ask the six people in attendance, come to the front row, and we'll just do it all together. Okay, all right. Uh, I thought you guys would be better than 9 o'clock, but apparently not. So hey, grab your journal, and uh, however it is you do the space. In fact, today, we're going to do something a little different. I want to offer something to you. We're going to all take notes. So here's what I want you to do. If you haven't done this yet, get your phone out. And uh, if you have a journal, great. If you have a Bible, great. But if you don't, uh, open your phone. Open to a place uh, in your phone where you would take notes. This is not a time to make a grocery list, talk about Home Depot or, or lunch or whatever. Jesus is here by his spirit, and he is watching you. So... Right, So here's what I want to do. We're going to take notes together on this. And uh, we are in week three of a series we're calling "Rooted." We're exploring together what it means as a church family on all of our campuses to grow up in our faith and to grow our faith deep and ride, deep and wide. And this is uh, what I think about the essential question. I think it's one of the most important questions of life is how it is we connect with this God in heaven and how it is that we grow our faith. And for those of us who are finding faith, for those of us who are navigating toward what it means to be a follower of Jesus, this is, I think, the essential question. When you begin to open your mind and heart, to the idea really that all that we see is not all that there is, that there is more to this life. Someone say amen to that. Right now we need to know that there's more. How many of y'all need to know there's more? It feels like Groundhog Day, right? So we need to know that. Uh, And when we open our minds and our hearts to that, uh, I think it becomes in a way disingenuous at the highest levels of authenticity not to build our very lives around the kinds of truths that we're talking about right now. This has been a season which is turning into a two-year stretch. How many of you all thought this would happen? Uh, where every now and again, I don't know about you, but I got to remind myself that I did not come here to stay. I did not come here to stay. There's more important stuff out there. And and every now and again, what I want to do is I want to take a step back in my life and I want to see the, the context of my life that I'm experiencing right now against the backdrop, against the window of a greater context, if you will. Right, every now and again, I, I I was thinking about this the other day. I was mowing my yard. How many of y'all ever, when you're doing chores, you let your mind wander to other things? Right, you just sort of you you sort of multitask. And I'm out there going back and forth, you know, kind of mowing the yard and doing this thing. And I started thinking about some of the promises about what God would say to all of us in this moment. And I thought I'd share a couple of verses popped in my mind. I want to share them with you. One comes from the Book of Revelation, and uh, this is a promise that uh, I have and have made very familiar in my own life. Look at what it says here. John speaking says, I've heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No amens? He will wipe. Come on. (laughs) That was like thudded in the room. It just landed like He will wipe every tear from eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Thank you. There's my church. There you are. And then I thought about this. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly body so that we will be like his glorious body. Amen. Amen. You know, when I thought, I thought of the first one, just thinking about, you know, precious people in our church and praying for them and some of the situations I'm aware of as a pastor. And then, you know, when I thought about the second verse that I just shared with you at the end of the day, after a day full of yard work and I was so stiff, I could not move. And I thought he will transform our lowly bodies into another body. <laughs> Praise God for that. But, you know, here's, here's the thing. Every now and again, it's important for us. Uh, it is important for us to build our lives around the backdrop of a greater context. And here's what I want you to know. This is exactly what we're doing right now. When we're talking about growing fruit that lasts, when we're talking about building our lives up in the image of Jesus. When we're talking about becoming rooted in our faith, this is the kind of thing that we're aiming for. This is the kind of thing that offers peace that passes our understanding. This is the kind of stuff that will give us an anchor in storms that are difficult. This is a kind of uh, uh, truth that we can just allow to wash over us in whatever it is that's captivated our heart. We can know there's something else. And every now and again, I need to know there's something else. Do you? Praise God. And I think this is what Paul is striving at when he offers us this verse. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it together. This little challenge uh, in this, the ancient, that Paul gives this ancient little church in a place called Colossae. In Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Let's just thunder it out loud together. Ready? Go. So then, just as received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So in essence, here's what I want you to know this morning as we, 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 we get into some stuff I want to tell you about. Um, this, is, this in essence is how the Christian faith is supposed to work. This is how it's supposed to work. It, uh, it begins with an acknowledgement, a surrender, a transfer of some kind, Some deeper understanding that Jesus is real, he is worthy of our worship, he's the only way, and so we receive him into our lives. We come into this life having done nothing whatsoever to deserve it. We come solely on the merits of another, and his name is Jesus. And after receiving Christ, there must come a decision on our part to build our lives around him. And once we make this decision, this is where beliefs and actions and attitudes begin to change. This is where spiritual alignments begin to form. We do this correctly and long enough, gratitude develops. This is a kind of fruit. And the fruit of the Christian life begins to grow. And then I think this, we rinse and repeat. Do it again. And then we go a little further and then we do it again. Do it a little further and then we do it again. And all of this activity of God in our life begins with a seed. It begins with the seed. And uh, so I think, I think, it seems to me, if this is how the Christian spiritual life works, that one of the most important questions you and I are ever going to answer within the sphere of Christianity is this. How do spiritual seeds take root and grow in my life? How do spiritual seeds take root and grow in my life? What do I have to do to help this process? So I'm with our teaching team, and we were uh, working on this series, and we came to a moment where we thought, you know what? We need to consider a verse of scripture that that has become, in many ways, sort of like a hallmark scripture of, of our church. If you look across the window, the landscape, the history of our church, you'll find different passage of scripture, you'll find different stories that have become sort of a collective whole. When you think about it, over time you begin to not only, you know, live your own experience, we live some experiences together. That's what it means to be followers of Christ, committed to a family. There there become these stories. And uh this is one of these scriptures and these this is one of these stories. And it was kind of interesting because the teaching team when we got to Luke chapter eight and that's what we're going to focus on this morning uh, I said, you know, I've preached that a couple times in our church, and we went back and forth on this, and then we made a decision. We said, you know what? We want you to preach it again. We want you to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, and, and you should know a lot about how to do that because you grew up in the home of a guy that worked for Nabisco. Come on, you're with me, right? So we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And so this morning, what I want to do is uh, I want to read this passage of Scripture and we're going to walk through some of this. as uh, Some of this will be familiar, not by any means all of it. And for many of us, it's going to be brand new. And what I want to do is I want to point out four spiritual practices with you that I believe get to the very heart of what it means for spiritual seeds to take root in our lives. Anybody interested? I mean, we got half an hour. We might as well make the best of our time, right? So I want to read to you. It's Luke chapter 8, and we're going to begin with verse 4. So here it is, Parable of the sower. Says while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, Jesus told them this parable. He said, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path that was trampled on, and the birds ate it up, some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up the plants withered because they had no moisture, other seed fell among thorns which grew up, and it choked the plants. And still yet, other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more. Listen to that, a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. Let them hear. And so his disciples asked him, Lord, what does this parable mean? And his disciples asked, and he answered, and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, by life's riches, by life's pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I think in our better moments, we'd want to say this is us. Uh, we want to we want to hear your word. Uh, we want to it to take form and root in our lives. We want to retain it. Uh, God, we are all learning right now. We're all in school. We're all getting a PhD right now. The life of, is unstable. And with a lot of things shifting and moving, God, it is so good in this space to be reminded that you are the rock that never moves. So God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for those of us who feel that there is some area of our lives on shaky ground, would you in this space, God, come by the power of your Holy Spirit and grow deep within us roots that produce fruit Produce a harvest in our lives, and then spills out to produce a harvest in others' lives. This is our collective prayer as a body together. Prayed in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen." So this is uh, known as a synoptic parable. You're gonna impress all your friends later. And a synoptic parable mean it means it's a parable that appears in three of the four gospels. If you've ever read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know that the Gospels are fairly similar, at least three of them. John's Gospel is very different. So they call Matthew, scholars call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic Gospels. And this parable appears in all three of those in, in a little bit of a different form, but by and large, over 90, 95% kind of the same thing. And uh, it's one of those parables that the other thing that's interesting about it it's one of Jesus' best-known parables, uh, and here's the other thing. Most parables are not necessarily explained, but this one is explained. And so uh, right in the middle of this parable, Jesus offers this really unique and kind of challenging word where he says, you know, these parables, I speak in parables, he says, and I'm paraphrasing here in a way that people who understand get it and those who don't understand don't get it. It almost appears as though Jesus is trying to, you know, selectively let some people know some things and... And, and keep others out. That's actually not what's taking place, but it appears as though we know when we read the Gospels that Jesus revealed Himself slowly to people, and it, and it was it was pretty uh, interesting, even not only the way he did it, but even who he did it to. We might remember a, a, a comparative story when Jesus revealed Himself to the woman at the well a woman at the well that many of the religious leaders would say, she doesn't qualify for deeper knowledge. She somehow lived a life that doesn't qualify. And yet Jesus chose in his grace and his mercy and his love, thank the Lord, Jesus chose her to be the one that he would tell first that he's he's Lord in, in, in human flesh. And so we have this incredible story. We have this parable and, and and God is revealing himself in these parables. And he used parables to teach us the value of the kingdom. What I think is interesting to consider is that we all know this. It's one of the most popular parables. And it's called the parable of the sower. But the sower is only mentioned once. So it would kind of surprise us in a way. Why would it be called the parable of the sower when the sower is only mentioned one time? And yet, really, when we look at it, at the very uh, essence of what the parable is about, the parable is about soil. And it's about, uh, even more specifically, it's a parable about what kind of soil provides the best condition to help seeds grow, and in this case, spiritual seeds to grow. And the soil represents our heart and our mind, Things which are sometimes interchangeable within Scripture. So, if you think about it, this is a huge story. It's a huge teaching for anybody at all interested in how God, by the power of His Spirit, plants spiritual seeds in our lives that, under the careful cultivation, begin to grow and take root and produce fruit that lasts in our lives. And I think, maybe I'm wrong, I think that's most of us in this room and many of us who are listening online. And within this parable, within this teaching, Jesus, I think, offers four practices that I think are required for those who want spiritual seeds to grow. And I want to give them to you. The first one is this, we have to cultivate an open mind. Say that with me. Cultivate an open mind. If you were to ask me the number one thing that I believe is required of people that want to grow in their faith, that people that want to have a Christian faith, I, I would say it's this. Cultivate an open mind about the things of God. We notice it in Luke chapter 8, verse 5. It says, as the farmer went out to sow a seed, as he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And, and here's what I, I noticed first of all, the farmer, in this case, God, is sowing seed. He's sowing seed indiscriminately and everywhere. He's just throwing seed everywhere. You get that image. Doesn't matter, he's just throwing it. And this is the kind of thing I want everyone to know God is, God is planting seeds in every one of our lives. Right now, and, and what and part of us, the ability to really understand that those seeds are being planted in our lives is to take a step back and to open our mind and open our heart to the things of God in our lives now it 's interesting because that 's how they sow, sow, uh, sowed seed in ancient and biblical times. We get the image of a, of a farmer with a bag and he 's going through the field and he 's sowing seeds. Many of you all know. Uh, My wife is a farmer's daughter, so I am uniquely qualified to talk about this (laughs) through the life witness of my precious bride. And I'll show you a picture. Here's uh, a picture of the land that some of the land that they farm. Those are watermelons. Isn't that awesome? And uh, Beth tells a great story that she says that when she was growing up, she said, my dad sometimes would incorporate, you know, you know kind of like a family business. So he would incorporate us into the business. And she said, one day she said, um, dad asked me to disc some of the fields. And for those of you that don't know what farming is, sometimes a disc is a big implement they put on the back of a tractor that prepares the ground to be uh, plowed and made ready to plant seeds into it. It's not... Uh, uh the the final prep it's the initiatory prep to get the ground ready it just takes the weeds that are there and turns them over that's called disking and beth said i was disking one afternoon and if you show that again Tom the picture there's so much land out there she said my dad would put me on a tractor and he would say see you this afternoon and she said, I would just be you know, play, uh, going around and going around. And she said, one afternoon, she said, one of our favorite stories of growing up, she said, I had done that all afternoon. We stopped for lunch. We ate lunch, which is called dinner out there. You have breakfast, dinner, and then supper, if, if you're interested. After they had dinner, she said, I'm back out there, and I'm plowing the field. And she said, what happens after you eat a big old lunch? You get Sleepy. And she got sleepy and somehow hit some sort of lever on the tractor, and it disconnected the disc from the, from the tractor. And her dad found her in the afternoon just driving the tractor around the field. <laughs> and that made me feel so good when I learned that she did that, because that's the kind of thing, you know. But uh, this is the sort of... Uh, <laughs> This is the sort of thing that I want to move on. (laughs) God is planting seeds everywhere. The question at this point is to consider what it's like to open our lives to those seeds to see if we can find them. Imagine right now. God, by the power of his spirit, is wanting to plant some things in your life. And every now and again, when I talk to people and I talk to a lot of people, I run into different Blocks, if you will, that represent a closed mind. I've written some down. In fact, I collect them. Some are too intelligent to believe. Some are hurt by their past. Some have too checkered a past in history to think that you qualify any longer. Some are too insecure to think he cares for you. Some are too skeptical to risk. Some are too familiar to allow room for God to do something new because you have it all figured out. This is what it means to have a closed mind to the things of God. And so what if all of us right now with renewed energy, with renewed vigor, said, God, by the power of your spirit, I am opening my mind. I am opening my heart to you. Do something in my life. Plant seeds in my life. In fact, you're planting seeds. Help me see them in Jesus' name. Can I just be honest with you? Some of us just made a spiritual turn right there. Right there. And I know that this is true, and I know that this is true about cultivating an open mind because we, again, this is one of the few parables he explains, and a little later on, uh, down in verse 12, he says this, those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe it be saved because hardened soil represents a closed mind. I have a friend of mine who says, you know, the way I like to make decisions, Dale, every now and again, he goes, I, I say this to my, myself, I'll go, what will my 10 years from now self say about the decision I'm making right now? Isn't that good? Every now and again, I'll go like, what is, what is my 20 year from now self going to say about the decision that I'm wanting to make right now? And he, he, he went on. He goes, 20 or 30 or 40, and for some of us, 50-year self. I thought about that, and I thought, man, what would my 50-year self say about decisions I'm making right now? I know 50 years from now, my mom will be gone. My brothers will be gone. Beth will be gone. I'll be 109. <laughs> OK. All right. <laughs> all right. Cultivate an open mind. Number two. Ready for number two? Allocate the time to listen. What's the next spiritual practice? Allocate the time to listen. Luke 8, 6 says this. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. We know historically Jerusalem is built upon limestone, and it's a struggle there for plants because the root system can't penetrate the limestone to get to where the nutrients are, so the roots of plants tend to stay near the surface. Developing deep roots takes time. And the, and the enemy of time is impatience and moving too quickly. Um, many of y'all know uh, Beth and I, while our, on our time away, we went to uh, Yellowstone National Park. We went to Grand Teton National Park. And uh, Beth, before we went, I don't know if you all know this or not, but I have a tendency to drive a l- just a little faster than you know normal, like then probably should drive. It's a secret. Nobody really knows that, but I'm sharing with you that I, I tend to do that. And so Beth, this is when I know things are going to get real at my house. Beth will sometimes go, so, hey, when you're ready and we're thinking about vacation, she'll go, I want to have a conversation, but she'll say this, I want to have an adult conversation. <laughs> That's what I'm like. Okay, what's the adult conversation? She said, if we're going to get the most out of what we're going to go do, you're gonna ha- we're going to have to slow down. And she said, you know, you're from Florida, I'm from flat, we're going to mountainous terrain, if you drive too fast, we're going to die. <laughs> so you're going to have to slow down. And so we were out there, and I have to just tell you, it was kind of funny, everywhere we went, uh, people would just, they would volunteer. If you're going to enjoy this, you're going to have to slow down. I mean, even when we went into the park, the park ranger said, now, to really get the most out of it, you're going to have to slow down. I felt like she had called ahead and ratted, <laughs> like ratted me out, you know? And we rented this thing. We, rent, uh, we didn't rent this thing. We downloaded this thing called the Gypsy Guide. In fact, this is a little, this is free. I'll tell you, if you ever go to a national park, check and see if you can get what's called a Gypsy Guide. It's this GPS thing that just you load up and then when you're driving through the park, it's quiet, but when it gets to some place you should see, it tells you historical things about it and it'll say, pull off the road. And it was really cool because you'd be going along and it would go, all of a sudden it would just come on and the guy would go, in a mile, you're going to have an opportunity to turn right. And if you turn right, you're going to see this beautiful vista that you're never going to forget. It's going to be the most beautiful thing in your life. And, and, and this is the kind of thing. And oftentimes it would come on, it would go, slow down. And I was like, what is going on? You know? And, and it was, it was, it, and, and sometimes I think the reason I'm saying that is I wonder sometimes if the Holy Spirit is trying to do that with so many of us. Slow down. Slow down. Take a moment to enjoy your family. Slow down. T- take a moment to think about this grace. T- slow down. Look, look at this sunset. S- slow down. Call this friend. S- slow down. Remember, I love you. I care for you. I was reading this week and prep for this talk, and uh, one author says this, we have largely traded wisdom for information. We've traded depth for breadth, and so we microwave our faith. Richard Foster says this, superficiality is the curse of our age. And if superficiality is the curse, then hurry pronounces the spell depth always comes slowly. Uh, Over the course of this pandemic, one of the great gifts of this church is our Executive Director of Discipleship, Kathy Copan. And Kathy has written some material, was doing a lot of reading, and has written some material she has branded called Rooted. And this fall, we are going to allow some of our small groups, those that would like to opt in, to pilot this material. We think it would have benefit not only for our church, but maybe even for other churches. And, and, and it's an, it's an expression. It's a Bible study. It's a, it's a course, if you will, that will help us grow deeper roots in the spiritual life. And all this happens if, if we cultivate an open mind, if we allocate uh, time to listen because here's what I want you to know. Shallow soil represents a superficial mind. Luke 8.13, look at the definition. Those on rocky soil are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. You want another practice? So it's not only that we would cultivate an open mind, that we would eliminate or take the time to listen. We have to thirdly eliminate distractions. Notice what Jesus says here. He says in verse 7, he says, other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. And the thorns represent a preoccupied mind. Uh, when I was planting our church many years ago, I was trying to learn whatever I could uh, to make sure that uh, our church uh, as an organization didn't fall victim to maybe what other churches or other organizations fall. And so I was just kind of, that was a season for me where I was doing a lot of learning. And I read a, a business leadership book that I've never forgotten. I'll show you the picture of it. It's called Good to Great. And uh, Jim Collins is the author. And And Jim Collins makes this observation in the book. He he, he said, what's the difference between why some companies are, are good companies, but they're not great companies? And he talked about how good uh, is sometimes the enemy of great. And if we're going to accomplish what we've set out to do, sometimes we're going to have to learn to put lesser good things away for the better thing. Sometimes in the Christian experience, we live in these binary ar- ideas, good versus evil. But here's what I want to know. Those are binary ideas. There's a lot of stuff in the middle. And some of that stuff in the middle, y'all, it's really good stuff. I mean, sometimes there are things that we aspire to do with our lives. There are things that we want to build into our lives and our routines with our family or friends or, or whatever. And, 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 and God gets just pushed over into this corner. That'll never work. If you want to grow deeper roots, the only way to grow deep roots is to prioritize your relationship with Jesus Christ and 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 can I just can I throw some love on you guys you're doing that right now I I, I want you to know that I take so seriously our teaching team uh, we t- our worship team we all all of our teams, we take so seriously what we bring to a moment like this. And, and, and we do. But here's what I want to tell you. You're bringing some stuff to this moment, too. And I just want to throw honor on you guys for this is, this is it. There, you know, here's what I know. There are other things you could be doing right now. There are other things going on. But but, but you have figured it out. And you've said, you know what, I'm going to take a moment and, I, and I'm going to come into a, a, a place that is dedicated to God, and I'm going to say, God, I'm here, and I want to open my mind, and I want to open my heart to you. And God will always answer a prayer like that. Keep it up. Don't quit. Don't ever quit. And then lastly, here's what I want to say just in closing real quickly. It, it, it's not only cultivating an open mind, allocating time to listen, eliminating distractions. Here's the last one. We learn to cooperate with what God says. Sometimes when I'm meeting with people, they'll say, how, how can I do it? Like, what do I do? What do I need to do? And sometimes some of you are going to recognize this because I've probably said this to you. I said, take, take some time. Spend a moment or two with God in his word every day. And li- listen to this. And don't leave that space until you feel like God gives you an assignment over something you've read. And then go do the assignment. Come back the next day. Spend a little time in his Word. Say, God, I'm looking for an assignment. Let him give you an assignment. Go out and do the assignment. If you do that enough, here's what I will tell you. On the basis of more stories than I can count. God will transform your life. I'm speaking as a satisfied customer, not a salesman. That's how it happened to me. Give me an assignment. Sometimes it's easy. Call this person, say this thing, do this deal. Sometimes they're bigger assignments. But if we all just get in the habit of that, in fact, I wrote a list down. If we all get in the habit of that, uh, I think relationships would repair. Minds would develop more peace. I think addictions would wane and peace and healing would manifest. I think forgiveness would multiply. I think vision would increase. I think sins would be forgiven. I think Jesus would be honored. I think the kingdom would come. This is how it happens. Anybody want in on that? I want in on that. We all want in on that. This is This is how it happens. Cultivate an open mind. Uh, eliminate distractions. Uh, What was my second one? I just lost it. (laughs) Allocate time to listen. Jeez, cooperate with what God says. Let's pray. Lord, will you help us? Uh, Right now, listening online or right now in this room, I want you to identify the one that you think the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Is it cultivating an open mind? Tell him right now you're going to open your mind. If, if it's allocating time to listen, tell Him, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build some time in my life to listen. If if you have to eliminate some distractions, you're pursuing good things, Jesus said, hey, there's something better. Tell them you're willing to hear that. And then lastly, Lord, would you in all of us develop in us a good and noble heart that produces fruit. This is our prayer. Offered to you in Jesus' name, amen. Can you give the Lord a round of applause? He's so good, you're so good, oh Jesus. We love you. Would you receive this benediction now to Him who is able to present you faultless before His glory, to stand before Him in the majesty and the honor and the power that He has provided to you, to Him. Be glory and majesty and power and dominion forever and ever and ever. Let him form his spirit in you. Go in his peace. Amen. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.